Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, okay. Well, here we are, everybody. It's uh, the Trashy Podcast, doing shows about movies and whatnot. Uh, I'm uh, Elliot, and that's Keith. Yeah, you uh, thought we were going to take the summer off? You got another thing coming, as yeah. Judas Priest once said. Because we could be outside, but instead we're inside. Yeah, just like my tormented childhood, instead of getting the proper amount of vitamin D in the sun, I'm uh, inside watching movies. Uh, Being one of the pale kids. I mean, we are going to talk about a movie that takes almost takes place almost entirely outside, but it doesn't take place in the summertime. Yeah, that also so, has no influence on our physical. No. State. So. But but uh, yeah, so that's what we're we're going to talk about the movie Orca, the Killer Whale. But before we get into that, what's new with you, Keith? Man, you seen anything fun? Anything you're looking forward to coming out? No. No? No. You're not looking forward to anything. Stupid movies. No, actually, you know what's funny is I've been on a weird, uh, like a Italian splatter movie kick. So when you say that, like Italian splatter movie, are you talking about like horror movies where they stab in the blood spatters or like a... Like a, a chef, and he's just throwing around sauce, splattering it on the walls, just like a messy chef. Yeah, messy movie. spaghetti movie. No. It's a very, it's a very uh, uh, underrated subgenre of films. No, I watched uh, this movie called... Uh, it's listed as a Monster Hunter or a Rosso Sangua from 1981, directed by Joe D'Amato. But it oh. also has an alternate title, and it's called like "Absurd" or something like that. Absurd. Yeah, and well, the if you <laughs> listen to the synopsis of the story, it's pretty absurd. A priest doctor chasing a man with supernatural regenerative abilities uh, recently escaped from a medical lab. They reach a small town where the mutant goes on a killing spree. Huh. It yeah. Sounds. Like it's, does does anything burst out of anyone's chest in this? Yeah, this I have not. I have not definitely... like a creature, but like a lots of uh, sort of power tools and blunt objects. I feel like I've seen like a trailer for this movie, perhaps, or I mean, I also could be mixing it up with. I mean, this is not necessarily somewhat of a generic, you know, plot. Uh, so I could be mixing it up with something else, but I think I might have seen it. Yeah, it's uh, pretty prominently displayed on Tubi. Along, I, I did some Tubi roulette uh, a few nights ago and came up with this. This looked pretty good. And then I also got into the uh, uh, the zombie quadrilogy, as it were. I watched uh, Zombie 3, directed by Lucio Fulci, and... Uh, since that was uh, kind of a fun time, I moved on to Zombie Four, which is pretty unrelated, but they're all basically the same movie. All these yeah. like Lucio Fulci movies are all basically the same thing. Yeah, I never really got deep into his filmography because I was just kind of like, oh, okay, I, I think I figured it out. Like, well, that's the great part is there's nothing super deep about them. You don't really yeah. have to think too much if you just want the vibes. Like, yeah. if you just want, you know, the goofy kind of weird synth music and you want the zombie visuals and you want, like, some cool gimmick zombies because they'll always yeah. have, like, the crappy-looking zombies with half ass makeup, but then they'll have, like, here and there, they'll have, like, a really cool, like, zombie with barnacles all over it or, right. uh, you know, extra rotting skull head zombie or something, like, some kind of hero zombie with a cool gimmick. I see. So then, uh, sometimes I'm just like, I could just watch like a super cut thing on YouTube of all the, of all this stuff, rather than actually watch the movie. Well, and that's exactly yeah. why I put these on because that's what it feels like. There's also the hilarious like overdubs, of right? The, are the these like dialogue. so? Are these, are these like like oh, I'm folding laundry type movies? Like, yeah, definitely. Something? I was yeah. like cleaning and just doing stuff around the yeah. house and like, and I'll, every s- so often I would look over and something cool would happen. It was great. I- 
I once saw an interview with like some semi-prominent Italian actor like Franco Nero or Thomas Millian talking about Lucio Fulci. And they said like he, uh, that they, he was saying like he's, he, he was actually like really, really like a really good filmmaker. He was also just really lazy. Yeah. And 90% of the time he would just show up the set and phone everything in. And that's why you have like he, you know, that's kind of like mismatch of like you said of like, oh, here's a really cool scene in a movie that's otherwise just completely terrible type of thing. Yeah, that's the like one of the really fascinating parts is uh, like the strokes of brilliance just peppered amongst like just some fucking bullshit. Yeah, and then also like the amount of like completely incompetent looking shots versus like some of the like really gorgeous ones. It's like wow, these are all in the same movie. Yeah. And then you also, like, now that I've seen all of these that, you know, they came out in the uh, late 70s and then all through the 80s or whatever, you man, you can see, like, I don't know how familiar you are with Resident Evil, but the... With what? Resident Evil. I'm not, not very. The video game franchise. You can yeah. just see the very blatant, like, influence. Like, you can tell they, like, the the developers and artists were, like, cribbing a lot of stuff from that series of movies and not in like a you know sort of a slimy way but in like a obvious like they were very inspired by those movies right. specifically as opposed to like dawn of the dead and what we're actually like <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell like which came first like romero or the fulci stuff i don't know well i think just based on a timeline the romero stuff yeah, I mean, as much credit as he gets, like, I would uh, have to give uh, Fulci the fucking gold medal for just uh, sheer volume of bullshit I mean, that he put out. I, I probably have said this before, but I think Romero gets a little too much credit. Yeah. You know, like, plenty of fun movies, plenty of good movies, but just the, the overall just, like, unparalleled genius of making a zombie movie or this or that or master of horror. It's just like, I don't know. Even if you look at his filmography in his prime, it's even then it's pretty, uh, it's pretty scattered. Yeah. Those movies are awesome. Uh, and they just autoplay on Tubi. It's yeah. rad. I hope one day we get an ad free version of Tubi, but until that day comes, I'm perfectly fine with, well, we've got, I've said it before, but man, Tubi is as close to a video store yeah. as you're going to get in the streaming era. Like, just all the random bullshit, like horror and sci-fi and action. And, and like, and kind of organized still pretty well, where it's like, you're not just going through 80 titles of, like, Shark versus Megasaurus type of thing. You know, it's, everything's kind of mixed in together in, like, a way that it doesn't feel like you're just slogging through nonsense to find gems. You and know? The, whatever the recommendation algorithm is, is much stronger than it is in some of the major platforms like Peacock oh, yeah. and Netflix. Well, that's because the Netflix ones, they're also trying to push particular titles. Exactly. Have, they're have all recommending like the same five movies. And so right. in this, if you're, if it's like other users also watched blah, 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 you actually get to see titles that are in line with what you've just watched rather than like whatever it is they're trying to pump the numbers for. Right. So it's pretty cool. I like uh, to be a lot. Oh, there you go. Well, I just watched recently this movie called V, like V-I-Y, which is this Russian movie from the late 60s about a monk who has to spend three nights in a church with the body of a a corpse of a witch, and I would highly recommend it. It's only about 70 minutes long and has some really weird stuff going on. If it was longer, it might be kind of a, oh, that was okay, you know, Sounds about 69 minutes too long to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It had some really fun visuals and really weird. I mean, have you ever watched? A lot of them are actually kind of hard to come by, but I've I've definitely just seen, like, watched on YouTube, like, things about Russian fantasy and horror movies from the 60s. And they are, there's some really weird shit. Just like from a visual standpoint, is 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 mind-boggling. So I, for those particular reasons, I would I would recommend it for sure. And it was also just kind of an interesting little like folktale fable. Um, so and like I said, it's only seventy minutes, so the commitment level is low. It streams a lot of places. It was on. I originally started watching it on Shutter, 
but they only had a dubbed version. So I can't remember where I went to watch it in Russian, but it was very, actually, it was like, it was pretty easy to find right away uh, because it's just streaming so many places. Um, so I'd recommend that. And let's see. Oh, I saw the new Indiana Jones movie, and it was pretty good. No, so. I don't really understand, like, all the, like, like the strong, passionate reactions to these big franchise movies now. Like, well, I just don't understand the internalizing of... It's, it's like, just watch it. It's like right. it's a familiar character. Like, you can just turn your... You know, turn shut everything off and just uh, take it as it is. Like, why does it have to be, like, a whole thing? It's, like, weird on two levels, I think. Because, one, it's, like, these some people act that like, if you have a bad installment of the franchise, particularly if it's, you know, removed in time, you know, like, 20 years later, 30 years later, that it somehow ruins the other movies. Yeah. Which is just so bizarre. Like, when people, like, just talking specifically about the Indiana Jones movies, people act like uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull ruins all the other Indiana Jones movies. And, like, that doesn't make any sense, particularly since it doesn't, like, it's not like a trilogy where it's, like, a connected story, like, a, a trilogy that in the sense that there's a connected story and we're waiting till the ending to find out, you know, like, the, yeah. how everything unfolds. And it does have an impact on what you've watched prior because you've been building up to it. It's like these are all stand essentially standalone movies with the same characters and this bad one doesn't affect the plots of the ones we've seen before. No. Uh and also the other thing too it's like I think people forget when they have so much nostalgia like embedded into something that all the Indiana Jones movies are kind of like they're goofy movies. You know, they're campy and they have like dumb dialogue and silly set pieces. Yeah, they're then, very pulpy. Yeah, and then when they watch, so it's then they watch. You know, like they they wait, they, but they have so much nostalgia and love ingrained into them that they've you know injected you know things into them that they, when a new one comes out, they're expecting like Citizen Kane or The Godfather or something, and when it doesn't meet that standard, it's just like. Well, this shit is shit. It's like, no, it's it's very much in line with the other ones you love so much. It's just you are removed from those now, you know? Yeah, they're when expecting it to impact them in the same way it did when they were first experiencing feelings like that. Right. But you can't ever recreate that. Yeah. Right. You were a different person then. Like, there's no, the, the sort of pairing of that. And, and expecting a new movie like that to cater to you now in that mm -hmm. same way is very unrealistic. Well, and actually that's one of the things I did like about this one is it doesn't try to do that. It did that. cater to you specifically. <laughs> yeah, no. It doesn't it doesn't try to like recreate stuff as much as you might think. There's like very few callbacks and I think some of the action scenes are are most of the action scenes are too long, but it doesn't play up the action as much because it is when when it, the action is not happening because it is acknowledging that he is an older man and like it's about the movie's about isn't is about getting old and stuff which is very different from what the the other movies are even like crystal skull like all the stuff about him being old is like just like gags about him being old and not addressing like coming to terms with his life and being old type yeah. of thing so there's a lot more just kind of like drama about him you know coming to terms with his his old age and who he was then and who versus who he is now um anyway yeah not to go on for a long time but it was i thought it was a completely solid movie i have actually i think i enjoy it like being a you know a few days removed from seeing it or a week removed from seeing it i actually like it more than i did I, my biggest criticisms it was just too bloated it's probably you probably could cut like 30 minutes out of it but other than that solid movie more movie means a better value. Oh, yeah. That's, I forgot about that. <laughs> you just got to do the math with that ticket price, you know? Yeah. Um, but we are here to talk about something else. Some movie that is that I watched for $2. And so I definitely got my money's worth. That's funny. I did a free seven-day trial to watch this. <laughs> I watched. Uh, I found it. I found a free version on YouTube, but it had like a big, like logo in it. Oh, uh, not of like the movie studio, but something that like offset like the search bots that like search for images. Yeah, you know, so they so it wouldn't get taken down. 
So like the actual image quality was good. I was like, I don't want to deal with that. And I was yeah. like, oh, I can rent it for two bucks. And I didn't want to spend any more time looking for it or sure. setting anything else up. Well, that's why I love the Roku, man. Like if you add the different streaming apps kind of piecemeal, or you can add the services via the Roku channel. And when you do it via the Roku channel, they constantly offer free seven-day trials. And if you need to cancel, you don't have to uh, create an account. You don't have to delete an account. You don't have to log into anything. You just, It's one button from your Roku to oh, cancel cool. the subscription. And there's no fees or anything. There's no, like, anything. It's so easy. And so I'm constantly, like, every couple of months... If I need to watch something, it's like, oh, it's the Paramount Plus or whatever the fuck. And I'm just firing it up again. We should be getting sponsored by Roku. No, I don't think they would want us advertising that. (laughs) I guess it is easy for people to, you know, forget about their subscription. But I think they send out an alert or something. I think they let you know Mm. when it's about to expire. It's a really, like, a very good and cool a piece of business i'm a fan there we go helps me watch movies in this way and that's exactly what happened with orca orca the killer whale uh from 1977 uh richard farnsworth richard harris oh richard harris you mean it's not doll man and a with a giant gun shooting at a whale (laughs) no i wish that would have been sick uh from 1977 dino dory de laurentis's answer to jaws trying to cash in on some of that Jaws money. Uh, it's this plot revolves around a, a, a fisher man guy who captures fish, sharks, and such to sell to aquariums, and he decides he wants to uh, capture a whale. The deadliest prey of all. All right. Uh, and he accidentally kills a whale, a female whale who is pregnant, and then the, the, the whale daddy comes yeah, back the husband is out for revenge. <laughs> Like, like, not just like, oh, today I'm going out for revenge, but like four weeks is out for revenge. Yeah. Um, that's the basic premise of this movie. I think, Keith, this is a movie you had seen before, right? Yes. Okay, so this was a first time for me. Um, how, how, how do you feel about this movie just kind of in general? I think, in my humble opinion, that this is a very impressive piece of movie. While... Obviously, there's some glaring flaws and it's a a very unbalanced quality. I think that as a movie, it's very enjoyable. Yeah. So like this is my just my general impressions is, yeah, I did enjoy this movie. I do think it is a very mixed bag. When it started, I was just like, this is not very good. And then I kind of just went back and forth on that, you know, like. Or at times where I was like really liking it and other times it's like, ah, it's okay. But, you know, overall, I did really enjoy the movie. If you would just like look at this on paper, you would imagine this being just a completely like cheap cash in ripoff of Jaws, which in some ways it is. But it also is like it's shot really well. It has talented people in front of and behind the camera. It, like, an, like a genuine effort was made overall. And it's very creative, sort of a hodgepodge of assets and resources. What they produced was pretty creative, even though now we can see, like you can point to all these shots where it was obviously shot in a tank with like right. a performing whale. That's fine. But they use those as insert shots. And you can tell when it's like, oh, they're not very far offshore or the the way this is a captivity whale or this is like uh archival science footage just like sped up but they really try to like mix it up and like really create something well it's crazy miniatures there's like crazy sets there's very good miniatures there's very good sets the animatronic whales are very good yeah and it's actually kind of funny to me because my first impression was when it's just like your opening credits and like the very beginning of the movie, it's like, oh, this is stock footage of the movie. Yeah. So you they front load the movie, like the beginning, like your first impression with all this stock footage. And then it moves to like very beautifully filmed like uh, shots of them on set at the, on the sea or these like uh, uh, Newfoundland landscapes. And then these 
really awesome practical effects. And it's like, why would you front load your movie with all the schlocky components? You know, just like all the cheap, you know, stock footage and slap together shit. And then, and then wait to give me the, you know, like some of the, you know, the actual, no, I mean, not just the special effects, but just kind of like, oh, here's your beautiful establishing shot versus your like really poor establishing shot type of thing. Yeah. It's almost like they weren't confident enough with the good stuff. Uh, or maybe they had a, a, some kind of a deal with, uh, you know, to include that footage or they, maybe they purchased it and they're like, we have, we paid money for this. We have to use right. it. Well, it's weird too because you like you have that weird voiceover scene in in the beginning, where it's explaining the whales, and it's like that's clearly something that was shot after, yeah, you know, or filmed after, and you like that's where the schlocky elements come in, and it's just I don't know. It's interesting because I think one of the big problems with this movie is some of the characters. Well, I think a lot of the character motivations and stuff are kind of refreshing for a movie like this. The character development at times is really kind of phoned in uh, or just not even phoned in but just kind of like all over the place and I've I've heard that the, that the novelization of this movie is actually excellent and, which is not normally the case for novelizations of movies and that's what we're going to do right now so prepare yourself take a seat <laughs> we're going to be reading aloud from the novelization of Orca the Killer Whale and uh, for the I next guess, eight and a half hours I guess they what they did though is they got like a like an actually like fairly well established paperback writer, Arthur Herzog, I think, who wrote some other like kind of horror-y, like animal attack novels, and they he they had him write a, you know a novel based on the screenplay and release it very shortly before the movie came out, so they could be like kind of act like it was like oh the adaptation of this book, just like with Jaws, the adaptation of the best-selling Jaws, even though. It was the reverse way around, you know? See, that's cool, though. That's, like, yeah. cool, like, schlockhouse filmmaking. Which is, like, yeah, so this is a Dino De Laurentiis movie, and he has kind of, like, a weird career as a producer because of making just very schlocky things and then some Kind of a slime ball. He's a slime ball for sure, but also making, like, some, like, big prestigious pictures and stuff. And he seems to be one of those, some guy, like... I don't know a ton about him, but like somebody who would have been just kind of a B movie director or a producer, like uh, who then like lucked out and like had a hit and made a lot of money and didn't really understand what made movies popular, but just like lucked out enough that he established himself massively in Hollywood, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely proof that if you do enough cocaine and meet enough people, right? Like you can have a hit. Yeah. Well, I love the I love the opening scene of this movie too because this uh, not not like the opening like credit scenes where you see the like the whales jumping that they just keep reusing that one shot over and over again and that they keep using through them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And they just keep using it through the whole movie. But, you know, like at the very beginning they they they're hunting a great white shark, right? And then the then the the killer whale comes up and kills the shark, moving at super speed. Yeah, which it's like such like an obvious flex of just like that Jaws movie is trash. But here they comes, go to here yeah, comes they my go to whale. great lengths to establish their killer animal as the top of the food chain, and I right. like that. And not only do they they do it there by showing the great white shark getting like trounced. But then they have that one of the great expository scenes in all of film history where the okay. <laughs> the female professor is talking about the whale's capacity for intelligence and communication and also profound vengeance. Yeah. Truly incredible. I wanted to watch that scene like three times in a row. Huh. All right. I'm just yeah, I it's a great it's a good scene. It's just funny if you think about it how close it came out next to jaws and you know i love that the immediate reaction is like oh jaws ripoff i don't think so i think this takes the jaws concept in a direction that it eventually would land in with the sequels this is almost jaws the revenge exactly 
And, well, it, yeah. and it, even then, it takes that idea much further than that sequel. This is a much better movie could have than ever jo- taken it than Jaws: The Revenge. Yeah, the idea you know? that an animal would have a thirst for revenge and would not relent until you know its goal is achieved is is much stronger here. Absolutely. I mean, like that. Th- these are those are one hundred percent the strengths of this movie because that concept of the. Uh, the, the 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 father whale coming out for revenge does not seem goofy in this which in a lot of things it would the almost like the the flashback scenes he has where he's 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 watching like he's playing back in his head him accidentally killing the shark killing the whale um and then the, the mother whale and then that interspliced with the quick shots of a drunk driver hitting his wife, you know, killing, crashing into his wife and killing her and those thoughts going through his head. And I like how that is like, that could be something they could have leaned on really, really, really hard. And they don't, you know, it's just like they use it to establish his character and motivations. And there's that scene of him where he's talking about how he's, he had like to the scientists, how he had gotten the shotgun and he was going to go try and kill the whale, kill the, the, the father whale because, you know, it's been it's been hunting him, and then he just says, "I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go. If they really can communicate, I'm just going to go and ask it for forgiveness." Which obviously that doesn't work out. But I thought that was a pretty cool scene that could have gone very corny very quickly, and it they pulled it off. No, and they could have kept bringing that up over and over again. That uh, him and the whale have this sort of connective tissue and this uh, shared experience. But they didn't harp on it. They just brought it up a couple of a uh, couple of times, and that was it. And yeah, uh, it, but it uh, it informed Richard Harris's performance throughout the rest of the movie, which is you know they didn't really need to have that much sort of talent and depth, but uh, it just so happens to be there. In a lot of ways, this is pretty much universally regarded as like a so bad it's good type movie like oh it's so insane it doesn't make any sense it's crazy blah 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 rip off all this stuff but see that's not how i took it this movie at all no if you scrape away a lot of the nonsense like there's a real movie in here well yeah the nucleus of this movie is is excellent where if it falters is like i said earlier like some of the characterizations or character development like richard harris is doing a great job but his character particularly in like the first half of the movie just kind of jumps back and forth you know yeah from feeling remorseful and then being a complete turd again you know yeah and being not like in jovial and like sort of juvenile and right and, and not in a way of like this is like a not in a way of like oh he's a complex character and he has all these facets it just seems like like they did a rewrite on the script, but forgot to rewrite some of the scenes, you know, yeah. type of thing. Uh, like, you know, so there's that going on. Some of the motivations of certain characters, particularly towards the end, don't make any sense. Like, why is uh, why is Jacob Umalek on the ship with them at the end, hunting the whale? Like, there's no reason for him to, to no. be there other he, than other than like they need more they need more people for the whale to kill type of thing. Yeah, he just appears out of nowhere along with uh, Robert Carradine from the Revenge of the Nerds films. Uh, just magically appears on the boat as some character named Ken. I don't recall seeing him uh, in any other part of the movie. That character is at the very beginning. He's really? the guy. I didn't realize that was Robert Carradine, but uh, that character is. Um, He's the guy who's a uh, Charlotte Rampling, the the female scientist. When he's like, "Oh, she's she, there's a, there's a diver down there, and they're hunting the shark," and then he falls out of the boat. Oh, and the shark's he's coming the for boat him. guy. Not on Richard Harris's boat, but just like in the little. No, raft. no, yeah, he's in the little outboard motor boat, and he's trying to start the engine, and he falls like eighteen feet from the boat somehow. Yeah, you, yeah, that guy. Yeah, I did not realize that was Robert Carradine. Yeah. Huh. I saw him later. He like does like a big like goofy look into the camera, and I started yeah. laughing. And I was like, "What are you doing here?" Yeah, <laughs> that's that's that guy. But yeah, once again, there's no reason why he would be there, you know, other than they needed another body, you know, and someone else for the for the for the orca to kill. That's true. The orca really is though the star of this movie. Yes, you got the cool like over the shoulder uh, camera shots as the orca is like swimming and stalking its way through the water. And then the orca gets to do cool stuff like 
obviously eating Robert Carradine is pretty cool, but it's also like severing like gas lines and removing the stilts from houses and eating Bo Derek's leg. In ways that all seem like relatively believable. You know what I mean? Like there's a couple like how did a whale fit in that area, but uh, right. I don't know. It's not that far off. Right. Um, like, and the whale's like revenge plan doesn't seem like so elaborate that it's, that it's, that it's implausible or entirely implausible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think when this movie really moved from just like, kind of like, oh, okay, this is a movie that I'm watching to like, whoa, was that the scene where he's hunting the orcas at the beginning? He, he accidentally maims the female orca and brings it up hanging upside down on a ship. And she gives born, gives birth to a stillborn whale fetus. Yeah. Like I was not expecting that at all in this movie. And the, like Richard Harris's reaction to it. It's the same uh, as ours. The yeah. shock and horror. Well, it's not just, it's not just, first you'd think it is just a shock, but then when you find out about other things that has happened to him in his past life and then how he is like internalizing that scene it's a lot there's a there's a lot more going on and also i do like the fact that they bring up because you know earlier in the movie they bring up how like when a, the orca fetus is developing at a time it looks fairly human you know oh and yeah has, and like, it has five fingers yeah has the yeah they <laughs> which is actually something that's true of all mammals and all uh like actually all animals that have at one point it's, obviously it's a marine mammal, but of it, things that have come out of the sea, you know, like birds, reptiles, humans, all mammals, there is a stage in development where all all of them look almost identical and they all have five fingers and five toes and a tail. Well, and that's you know. a great, like, you know, this this is sort of an eco-horror movie and yeah. an animals run amok type situation, which is very popular in the 70s. But part of the kind of the the message is especially from the scientist character she talks about how how could you harm an animal that is so closely related to yourself like there's so many commonalities here like this isn't like hunting a deer this is right it's different and that's such an interesting angle that i've heard and this came out in like 1977 and it's not the type of message or content that you've really heard in another movie. This idea that these shared characteristics, you know, it's always like, oh, don't be cruel to animals, Hold you know, because they're cute and they're nice. Hold on but a second. This... I got a, there's a sweet streeper coming by my house. So. Oh, I was wondering what that is. It's going to get real loud here in a second. So, yeah, I think that is a kind of a thing. Like, maybe, like, that particular aspect of environmentalism in movies kind of came became cliche throughout like the eighties and particularly in the early nineties. But at that, that time, it definitely seems like it would probably would have been a fresher idea. I also think that I always like always taking the irony of these movies about, uh, you know, fr- freeing whales like free willy and stuff and how they're just like us and they, they shouldn't, they should be free and not in captivity and it all stars whales in captivity you know. Yeah, and it's hard to watch because we now know like what to look for in terms of like uh, the water in the water tanks or the yeah. the curved dorsal fin. You right. know what I mean? Like we all learned that pretty quickly. In for we would learn that from Free Willy, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, like I I actually never saw that movie, but what? Yeah. Um. But next time on the trash heap. Oh man, <laughs> what if we did a whole wet? So there's this movie, in my research for this, I came across this movie, and maybe you saw this too. It's a 1966 film called Namu the Killer Whale, or Namu My Best Friend. I did come across that in, like, when I was just, like, kind of, like, Googling stuff. And it's basically, like, the, you could tell, like, somebody... It's the same plot as Free Willy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Somebody was like, oh, we're going to crib that for our new kids movie. But we're it does. It I will bit. say, thankfully, in this movie, that the real whale footage, a lot of it is actually just them filming real pods out in the wild. Wild, so we get a lot of those shots, and then we kind of get these reused shots of something from SeaWorld or whatever. But an, an uh, 
there's not a tremendous amount. It doesn't appear to be a tremendous amount of, you know, forcing the whale, a real whale to act in this movie. No, you know? no. Uh, there's, and a lot of it just seems like, hey, SeaWorld, do you have any footage that we could have used? I don't even know if it was, you know, sometimes it seems like that they were just kind of patching together various footage of whales that they probably just purchased because when they do try and manipulate footage of whales actually doing something, that is when it works the least because it doesn't even seem like it was filmed specifically for the movie. I could be wrong about that, but that's the way it, like that's the way it looks to me for the most part. Yeah, it looks like the the park footage was shot at Marine World of Africa. Uh-huh. So and I think like you're right on the money. I think it is just all the footage where they're sort of jumping out of the water and doing like the normal tricks. They're not really yeah, f- yeah forcing them to do anything. I, no one's riding a whale. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it still kind of sucks, but, you know. And some of the gore is hard to look at. Like, some of the goreness is uh, surprisingly rough. Frankly, like, honestly, at the beginning, we were watching, I was like, oh, I hope they didn't kill any real whales for this. (laughs) They fucking got you. It it, it did, because I was just like, I like that when that whale is like being like caught in the propeller and shit, it looks so good. Oh, it does. Yeah, that is a very upsetting, like, coupled with the sound. I think the audio really plays into that, too. Like, that sort of uh, anguished cry of the whale as it it tries to kill itself by thrusting itself into the boat propeller. Yeah, I was legit, like, kind of like, oh, my God, I think this might just be a movie where they just killed a bunch of whales and called it good type of thing. But that is not, particularly after, like, doing some research, that is not the case. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, so yeah, so not it, for the faint of heart. That's for yeah, sure. It's definitely one I can watch with an easier conscience than I thought I than I initially thought that I could. You know, um, well, it is it is satisfying watching the whale sort of dispatch all these people involved, regardless of their level of guilt. Yeah, and I mean, like, I mean, and also the whale wins at the end. You know, yeah, uh, that's like oh, spoiler alert, but like. Rich, like all the humans except for the scientist, the main scientist character are dead, and the whale is like banged up a little bit, but swims away. Yeah, and I'm like kind of like cool. I'm into that, and it, it works because you wonder. I mean, ultimately, you end up seeing both characters. You, you, and I may say both characters. I mean, the whale is one of them. You do end up seeing one of their perspectives. You know, like Richard Harris was a character who is like somewhat self-serving and in over his head, but not like, and didn't really understand what he was grappling with. And he was just like, thought he was just like out catching a big fish type of thing. And like with, um, but then when his character goes along and you find out more about him and you find there's, there's complexities to him. He ultimately is like, okay, now I am going to go have a showdown with this whale, but he has decent motivations at that time, you know, because it's, uh, like things have transpired and, and like I think they even made a, a question like the, the scientist says something like if you knew someone who's experiencing tremendous grief would you try to talk to them rationally and he goes like no that's pointless and he goes like that's exactly what's happening with this this whale you know and it's just like you can't have uh, you can't you can't have a part y- y- even if we accept the fact that the whale is has the, these levels of communication, you can't have a rational conversation with it. Well, and thing. also this idea of the grappling with like uh, this whale is uh, just crazy with grief and anger. Uh, should you give it what it wants? Right. Which is the the showdown. It's like no, probably not. Maybe you should all just get away from the water for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that though. I love that the the fishing village is sort of full of like spooky characters that are like, hey, you fucked up and now this whale is terrorizing us. It's fucking right. up our boats. It's chasing all the fish away. It's ruining the industry. You have to go make this right for everybody. And those characters aren't portrayed as like, you know, completely like, yeah, they're, they're kind of spooky and like, you know, they have like ominous and they're kind of doing some shit too that's like maybe morally questionable. Yeah. Uh, but even the, even then, Richard Harris is like characters like he's like I I get it. I would be doing the same thing if I was in. I fucked with their livelihood, you know. The whale is like breaking their boats and chasing away all the fish, 
But they also, but that's the the cool part is they have this sort of like, we do things a certain way around here. We have our relationship with that community out there. Right. Everything is balanced and you've upset the balance. Right. Yeah. This is like, man, it's kind of like, this is a good movie, right? I'm with you on that. It's a little bit frustrating because you see the potential that's still within it. Yeah. It's like, man, they almost really had something. (laughs) Right. And like, that's sometimes so much more frustrating than just a bad movie or, you know, an okay movie, you know, or it's, it's like, Oh, you were, I mean, there's definitely movies that are crappier than this that I can enjoy more easily because that's just all they are. Right. Like they're just like fun schlock. And this is fun schlock. That's, almost there almost yeah. like it could it could have been a, it could have been like an all-time classic yeah going know? back to what i was saying about the village like there's that scene where so the whale starts terrorizing the village and then it also goes to the house uh on the waterfront that richard harris is staying in with his crew it knocks the house into the water bites off Bo derrick's leg and uh, almost eats uh, Richard Harris, and that's after the someone from the fishing village called him and threatened to hurt his crew if he didn't, you know, go sort this thing out with the whale. And then right. they also try to leave town, but the no one will let them. They're like, you can't have any gas, you can't have any food. There's right. no bus tickets available for you. Like, yeah, you're stuck until you figure this shit Deal out. Deal with this, yeah. But then when he finally decides to go, he puts on his coat and it's like a foggy morning. He's got his hood pulled up and he's looking very like somber. And then as he's and he looks like he looks like death from uh, the seventh seal. Yeah, which kinda. is fucking wild. Yeah. And then uh, as he's leaving the harbor, everyone from the fishing village is standing out on the docks just staring at him. Like yeah. it's like something out of like Children of the Corn or something. It's yeah. that that moment is awesome. Yeah, there's like a whole like mood to it. Like that him looking like death. I was like, this has to be on purpose. This is not an accident because he's oh, specifically sure. wearing a style of coat that like wraps up around him uh, and his his face uh, in the same way that Death's robe does in that movie. And mm-hmm. like it's it's pretty incredible. No, it's solid, and that and that whole like set piece at the end too, which is, I mean, I'm assuming like it looks like it's filmed on a location, but then like obviously the ice has to be standing on, can't be real. The 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 icebergs themselves have to be all practical effects, not real icebergs, and it looks very impressive. You know, like this is not a super low budget movie that you might expect from you know of people trying to cash in on jaws like i actually looked it up so the budget of jaws was nine million and the budget of this is six million which you know if that's a that's somewhat substantially lower but it's also in line with the normal budget of like a a big like a normal studio production of that time yeah right most like movies started ballooning exponentially in in price in the 80s and, and and kept going but like Five million, that was like a normally five to like ten million. That was a normal budget for a movie, you know, a big for including a, a studio movie type of thing. Uh, even one with special effects and stuff. I mean, like, I looked up Star Wars and it was only eleven million, you know. So not only that's only two million more than Jaws, you know, and has exponentially more special effects and stuff. So it's yeah, it's not like a super cheap movie. Um, it, so so many parts look great. There's a couple really like like effects and stuff that really stand out as bad. Uh, but overall, it, it's, it's, it looks pretty solid. Now, what about the final fight? Because this ends in a way that you don't necessarily expect. Because the right. whale leads them after they kind of go out to face off with the whale on the field of battle. The whale leads them on this like wild goose chase yeah. into the Arctic. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, like, that's where, like, they're in the iceberg and stuff. And, like, they're crashing into the ice and it's sinking their ship. And, uh, like, 
the, the both Richard Harris and the and the whale are trying to use the ice to their advantage. And like I personally like you know you hear about all these things about how intelligent whales are and whatnot, and they are very intelligent, but they are they are not they don't have the same level of like planning and foresight that uh, humans or even other primates are capable of. Yeah, like uh, abstract thinking. Right. I mean, like, that was kind of a notion that was uh, brought up in the, the 60s and 70s that has been predominantly dispelled. They do have their own types of communication. It's, you know, uh, they're smart. They have these very specific areas of intelligence that in some ways are like their like their emotional bonds are incredibly I think often when we talk about intelligence it just knows how to do that so that's obviously some other form of intelligence even if it doesn't understand its own being and existence right so this idea of having these elaborate plans and plots and stuff is somewhat of a stretch but I think the movie does a very good job of making it feel believable yeah especially in the way the whale is able to sneak up on Richard Harris without him knowing about it yeah (laughs) <laughs> Where he's like when he's like going to the bathroom and the whale's in the toilet, <laughs> <laughs> or he finds out he goes back and looks through the the n- newspapers of when his wife and child were killed by a drunk driver, and, and it way turns out the whale was driving the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, no, but this is like yeah. There's like that set piece is pretty cool. I don't, I'm not a big fan of like the whales like the way it uses its tail to like kind of whack Richard Harris. Well, and that's it. Like it launches him into the ice instead of eating him like we would expect. And I wonder what the idea was there. Was it like a, uh, an actor flex where he was like, no, no, I'm not, I don't get eaten. I want to, you know, sink into the, the water, like fully intact or whatever. Right. I don't know. Maybe they wanted that image. There was just something about like the final coup de gras move that didn't like was kind of like eh. yeah. It sort of bounces yeah. him around and then yeah. launches him, and he bangs into the the iceberg and then falls into the water. But other than that, I th- yeah. Other than that, I thought that final confrontation was pretty awesome, um, and not too overdone or anything or i actually love the moment where he has the he has a sort of a kill shot lined up on the whale Mm -hmm. and the scientist she says something like uh, take the shot or some bullshit like that but he's sort of like mesmerized by the whale and they sort of share this moment and he can't do it it's pretty cool the juxtaposition of how like similar the two are is one of the strengths of the movie, for sure. Yeah, it's an oddly good portrayal of like yeah. trauma. It's yes, so weird. Yeah, like we when we saw that first like that first flashback of the uh, you know this, the car crashing, which I thought that was filmed very well. I was kind of nervous that it would just dive into like overdoing that uh, kind of concept of his his grief and whatnot, but they don't and it is all just kind of like i mean obviously he explains what happens and explains now and he, when he explains to the scientists like i know exactly what the whale's feeling because i because it's happened to me type of thing like that could have just gone south so quickly and it doesn't um so there's a lot to god the more we talk about it too i'm just kind of like impressed with some of the stuff they pulled off and then you look at the the bad parts and you're just like damn yeah, there's some interesting blurbs here that I think are right on the money. Like one critic called this a uh, incoherent blend of Moby Dick, King Kong, and Jaws, hindered by what appears to be extensive re-editing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I'd call it an incoherent blend. I think it's actually a pretty strong blend of those three movies. Yeah. Uh, and apparently Richard Harris really liked the experience of filming this movie and actually took offense to comparisons between orca and jaws he thought he was making shakespeare Uh, and apparently he did his own stunts in the uh that climactic bit in the uh icebergs and almost died on several occasions which seems pretty on the money what are some things i mean other than some of the stuff we've just you know that after seeing the praises what are some things that really stand out to you that you don't like or something that you that you think could have been 
could have been better. Well, I think there's all definitely is like some visible silliness with the sort of the whale jumping out of the water, celebrating every time it gets a kill. Yeah, uh, that little bit was. I mean, that you know, for audiences that are just watching to laugh at this movie, uh, obviously that's one of the standout moments. But right, yeah, if we're if we're leaning towards this movie, trying to be better, that that's an easy. Particularly since it's just the same shot reused over and over. Yeah, and some of these shots that are like superimposed over each other are really goofy and don't seem to fit. And that that really is like a big issue. Is like the just the varying quality of uh, some of the filmmaking. Yeah, and it makes you wonder how many people were really working on this. Mm Hmm. For me, one of the things, and I think this is honestly kind of somewhat inherent to its general, its concept in and of itself, is that orcas don't look scary. You know, um, they look cuddly. Yeah. And like a shark, I mean, like one of the big, you know, people always, there's a criticism of Jaws that it made people scared of sharks and people went out and, and killed sharks, you know, when sharks really don't hurt people very often. Which in that not be the case. Maybe sharks don't really attack people, but a shark is fucking terrifying looking. Yeah, they're pretty menacing. Especially great whites are pretty menacing looking. Yeah. The way their gums kind of pull up and reveal all their teeth, and their yeah. teeth are sharpened into triangles, versus like an orca that has like kind of a cartoony looking face and round, very round teeth. Right. I mean, maybe if they had like tried to emphasize the point i mean one of two i think i I see one of two solutions see off the top of my head two solutions to this one is you make an animatronic orca that still looks like a realistic animal but is slightly less act anatomically accurate to an a a real orca you know like if you actually look at the the movie poster like the painted image the movie poster that orca actually has some characteristics that are closer to a shark yeah. Than an orca, and maybe if you did a little tweaking like that, um, that would have worked. Of course, that wouldn't have matched up with the the actual footage of orcas. Or if they made a point with early within the movie, like Richard Harris's character could have said, like that cute little thing's supposed to be dangerous. Like, give me a break, and you know. And then if the scientist was like, it might look nice, but it's actually one of the most deadly predators in the water don't let it you know it's 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 cuddly appearance deceive you type of thing i think that would have gone a long way but they actually tried to play up that it was that it's a scary looking thing like oh these rows of teeth and it's this massive body and all this stuff and that didn't really like it it doesn't sell properly you know like if you watch the trailer for the movie that's all that it is right it's like trying to tell you how scary this orca is and then they show a picture of the orca and you're just like oh look how cute it is yeah, they do the try to do the like the flashing red light at night mm-hmm. uh, shots, uh, and it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm okay with that though. Like you know, for the longest time, we you just thought that uh, orcas and dolphins were these like harmless, wonderful animals, but right. it turns out they are not, and right. uh, looks can be deceiving. So no, I'm okay. Yeah, overall, I'm okay with it too. I'm just saying, like, you know, that is like one of the things that kind of. Gl- you know stands out to me yeah um another thing that stands out to me is richard harris is only five years older than i am in this movie yeah and i don't i know a lot of you listening may not know what my face looks like but it doesn't look like richard harris is no he was doing some hard living back then. yeah for real dude like if you asked me how old he was i'd be like oh like 65 you know but that is not the case well, apparently at the time he had a very young, good-looking model for a wife, and she was photographed by a magazine with another man, which led to him going berserk on the set of this movie. Yeah, I read about heavily that. heavily and getting into a fist fight with the director. So yeah. That's pretty cool. The whale re- imitates life, and life imitates the whale. Yeah, you couldn't, couldn't get away with that now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this is a solid movie. It's also like... 
you know, we said, like, I mean, we made jokes about watching movies and being inside and how this movie's outside and whatnot. And even though this movie does not take place during the summer, I always find kind of maritime type movies to be good summer movies, even if they take place in the fall or, or the winter, you know? Yep. Yeah. Just the water and boats and. Yeah. Yeah. I was recently getting into the mood by watching the uh, Jaws sequels and yeah. seeing if they held up. Because I used to watch Jaws 3 and 4 were always on TV. Yeah. I was lucky if we I got the the original and the, the sequel, but the, the 3 and 4 were always on TV, and yeah. so that's what I watched. Jaws 3, when I was a kid, was cool. I didn't care about filmmaking or stories oh, right. or characters or anything like that. I just was glad to see a shark movie. And it's crazy, too. It's like the shark swimming inside the, you know, breaking the glass in the aquarium. And, you know, people have to run for life. And there's a guy hanging out of the shark's mouth. Yeah, the guy's inside the mouth with a grenade. Yeah. yeah, They're in, like, a theme park, like in a SeaWorld. Or they're actually at SeaWorld. I think so, yeah, Yeah, right? It's like basically a big promo for SeaWorld. Crazy. Jaws 3 is worse than I remember. It is an incomprehensible garbage movie and barely watchable jaws 4 the revenge surprisingly watchable Hmm. it's not nearly as terrible as people would have you believe it is stupid uh but there's i've seen worse movies yeah to be honest it's it's fine uh it's not great however this movie orca the killer whale uh beats it by a country mile you know, so I we watched both of those as well. Not, I mean, a few years ago, oh. and and I had not seen either one since I was a little kid. I found Jaws three to be very, uh, very schlocky fun, and Jaws four to just be kind of boring. I could see that. You know, yeah, maybe not like as exceptionally just like bad, bad like. Like, it's maybe a technically better made movie uh, in some ways than Jaws 3, but I had a lot more fun watching Jaws 3 than I did Jaws 4. Jaws 2, that's one I have not seen since I was a kid, I don't think. It's good. It's and, as good as the original. And there's a cut. I mean, that scene, though, where he's like going out for that, like, that piece of, uh, uh, like, a boat that's like in the tide. And when he pulls it up, the burnt up body comes up out of the water is forever burned in my oh, brain. Oh, yeah. Um, so I should probably give that one another shot, another watch soon. I love Jaws, too. I love the common thread through the sequels of uh, sort of dealing with uh, trauma, mm-hmm. right? In the second one, the uh, Chief Brody is, you know, dealing with his trauma from the first movie. Yeah. He's all fucked up and lost his job. And he's, you know, he's the guy that cried shark. Right. Uh, and all that. And he's like, it's going to happen again. And right. And all that. And it's great. And jaws, the revenge, it's his wife who, after her son is eaten by, uh, the shark back for revenge, as the title indicates, uh, she goes off to the Bahamas where her other son is like, a a marine biologist studying snails or whatever, and the shark yeah. follows her there. And right, I love this piece of it. Right as she finally stops being hysterical and afraid of the water, she's finally starting to calm down and uh, relax. She apologizes to her son for being so uh, unhinged and asking him to change his career and move away from the water and all this stuff. She's like, no, you're right. It was irrational. It was fine. The fucking shark shows up and the son is like, oh, fuck, she was right. And then hides it from her. (laughs) It's awesome. And then he's got to keep this secret and he's having nightmares about sharks. And, oh, it's fantastic. Uh, But, yeah, Jaws 3 is fucking, oh, God. the, The second half of the movie is edited, like, in the wrong order. Oh, yeah, it's not good. Like, none of it is just, it's like, huh? Like, and just, like, also how slow the 3D effects move, like, when, like, glass oh, breaks man. and glass just, like, kind of, like, what shit, what should be shattering glass flying at you is just kind of, like, slowly approaching the screen. It's very comical. Isn't there a version made for TV that is just Jaws 3? 
and it minimizes the 3D bullshit. I mean, I think they just yeah changed the name, but I don't think that they took out any of those. Like you just see the effects in 2D type of thing. Uh, that's I mean the last I mean that's the, like kind of the only way I've seen it. Obviously, you know, I never didn't see it in the theater, and I, every time I've seen it, it's been with those those effects. Um, but yeah, they were always on TV a lot, and yeah, man, I, yeah, as a little kid, you're just happy to see the shark. Yeah. Um. So, are there any other like how would you rank this in the overall lexicon of animal attack movies? Like animal any- attack movies, that's pretty broad i, I know, would well, say I, let's I, rank the jaws series with 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 orca in with it. orca in it let's okay. do that <laughs> well it's just like that i don't know because i just feel like there aren't that many good animal attack movies so it's like it's kind of easy like i can think of like three you know i don't know i like the alligator movies from like the 1980 like oh, 1980s. i never saw those they're uh i mean they're basically the same as jaws but there's like an alligator in the sewer yeah uh it's pretty similar but uh, i also like i like spider movies i like kingdom of the spider no the, um, the the william shatner one yeah i, I remember that, that as a kid cool. yeah arachnophobia is really good yeah yeah i mean i've seen some of the bear movies like uh oh, what's that one the one bear movie where the bear is like a mutant oh prophecy yeah that's it yeah it's got that cool chainsaw fight with uh your guy from uh judge dread Oh, uh, Armand Asante. Yeah, 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 where he's a totally, he's a complete maniac. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a fun, I mean, that's another, like, really schlocky movie that's a lot of fun, but it's not necessarily a quote-unquote good movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's good because, yeah, it's good because of how goofy it is type of thing. Yeah, and um, I mean, most of them are like that, even, like, uh, Lake Placid, mm-hmm. you know? No one likes that because of the serious parts. Everyone likes right. the, the twist ending. Yeah. Um, I've never seen that movie. There's a twist ending. Oh, it was it wasn't a crocodile at all. Uh, you 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 can spoil it. I, I it's fine. Oh yeah, well, um, who who's in it? One of the Golden Girls is in it and lives on the lake. You know, but it turns out she's been uh, feeding people to the to the crocodile. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's the killer. Uh, so which wait, golden girl is it? It's, it's the, I think it's I think it's Betty White. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's the twist. Gotcha. Okay. I was sh- I didn't see that movie originally because when all those movies came out, kind of in the two thousands or whatever it was, I was not into that kind of stuff at the time, and so now I'm slowly kind of catching up on some of that stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was I, I was shocked. That was a, a pretty enjoyable movie. When we're on the subject of uh, alligator and crocodile movies, did you ever see Rogue or uh, what is it? Crawl is that the most recent one? I did not see Rogue. Yeah, Crawl was the one where they're uh, under trapped the house. in a pool or a house. Yeah, they're, they're in, a ha- in a house that's flooding. Yeah, in, that's in, it. And the in the basement's filled with with, with alligators. Or yeah, that had an awesome trailer. Yeah, the people really talked that one up, and I saw it, and I was just like, meh. Hmm. It was okay. It was fine. It's very forgettable, in my opinion. Uh, Rogue is not very good. Uh, it also suffers from just like oops, bad CGI and an impossibly large crocodile. I mean, it's just like fifty feet long or something. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, well, I guess we were ranking Orca amongst the Jaws films. Uh, it's in third. Third. That's it. Yeah. So Jaws. <laughs> I don't really need ja- to go through the list. Jaws, Jaws 2, Orca. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I'd have to watch Jaws 2 again, obviously, as I said. But I would definitely, if we're not counting Jaws 2, I would go Jaws, Orca. Yeah. Orca has Jaws. all the same stuff that uh, the Jaws, Jaws 3 and 4 has, but then it has uh, some additional things as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, so I don't know. Do you have any other? Uh, no, that's pretty much it, right? No other final thoughts on Orca? Or nope. Uh, definitely watch uh, Animals Run Amok. I'm excited for the Meg Two to yeah. come out here at the beginning of August. That movie is going to be in 3D. Cool. I'm going to go do that. 
because that sounds stupid and fun. Sounds stupid. Oh, get out. It's going to be like Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull Island is really good. I don't know if that's what you're going to get here. I no, think it'll this... be sh- like sugar-free Kong Skull Island. Okay. So it causes cancer. It'll just have some extra. It'll probably have the Meg fighting a giant squid or some shit. It'll be cool. Don't I mean, that's in the trailer, it. isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I think they kind of hint at it. I don't think yeah. it's overt, but. Hey, anyway, we'll see. I was not a fan of the first one. So. No, I wasn't. I, I, I was hoping for more, but uh, I don't know. I like the director, so if I could put some money in his pocket. Sure, yeah. Why the hell not? Yeah. All right, well, guys. Well, that wraps up Orca. Uh, we'll be back next week with something else. Not next week. Two weeks from now. Yeah, probably uh, R.I.P.D. The Rest in Peace Department starring oh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. The yeah. 2013 Immortal Classic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the movie we're going to do. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, that's it. And, uh, Keith, what do you always say? Orcas. I can't stop thinking about them. Nature's greatest pricks. The end point of millions of years of evolutionary assholery. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. That's a good line. I can't believe that's a line from the movie. Yeah. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.